Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Ah, uh, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go. You know, that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream alongside Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers, ESPN Radio here in Omaha, 590. We are live on Twitter, live on YouTube, the that Sports YouTube page. Happy to have you with us. If you have a thought, 888-638-4876. We will patch through to Shane and he'll patch you through to us. You can also send a comment in the YouTube chat room. We will see it there. Uh, but before we go any further, let's talk to Sam McEwen, sports editor at the Omaha World Herald at SW McEwen. O-W-H on Twitter. Sam, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good, good. Hey, could you see yourself someday when you're retired, when you're like, hey, I'm going to hang up, uh, I'm going to hang up the newspaper, I'm going to hang up my computer, whatever it is, uh, mowing lawns at a golf course. Like, could, could you be that guy? My dad did that. Um, no way. When re- yeah, when he retired, he did that. See, he worked yeah, at uh, and Champion. Family. So, yeah, I, I could see myself doing it, sure. Yeah, I just told Robbie, we're out at the golf course today, uh, Pinnacle Bank Championship Week. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to work there um, back way back in the day. Um, I used to work at Indian Creek when I was in uh, high school and college. So, uh, nice. the new nine, the Greyhawk nine. Um, yeah, that's, that's the one that I spent the most time on, you know, sort of carving out some of the new bunkers and, because that, that nine was just getting finished as I started. So uh, good memories of, uh, you know, 5 a.m. Uh, going out into the darkness um, at Indian Creek. I did that a lot. Uh, In high school, I, I don't know if I'd ever years. call that a good memory. <laughs> it was, no, it was good. Cause you know what? You know, I, I think I worked there two years. So you get done with work. Um, you go in at like 5 a.m. You know, it was in the summer, mind you. It wasn't, you know, during the school year. You get done at 5 a.m. and. Uh, you start at 5 a.m. You get done around I don't know one, and you know you, you do you go golf. <laughs> oh, that like seems it. like great life. Yeah, so you you go out there on the course. Um, so you do that a couple times a week. You couldn't golf every day. You're just too exhausted. But yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, working on a golf course is a lot of fun. So yeah, that's cool. 
Well, Sam, we just got done uh, recapping the first week of fall camp. We'll get into some conference realignment talk, too, but I'll start with fall camp. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first week of Nebraska football under Coach Rule? Well, you know, I think I think there's probably some, some changes uh, for some of those guys. We'll get a little bit more into that today now that they're through a week of it. Um, obviously, they're trying to create a very different kind of culture, uh, sort of starting at, starting at the – whatever you want to call it, starting it at zero and, and building it up from there. Um, I'm guessing that rules probably enjoyed it for the most part. I'm guessing the players have found it interesting. I don't know if they've probably always loved it, um, but they've probably found it interesting along the way. So yeah, like I think there's some, there's some interesting aspects of camp. Uh, Miles Farmer is gone. Uh, that's too bad. He, you know, that would have helped with depth. Teddy Prochaska's out. That's too bad. Um, not sure. You know, like they're probably going to be real smart and real safe with with bringing him back the right way because at this point can't can't afford any more injuries there. Um, so I'm sure they'll be really smart with that. We'll see where it goes uh, from here. I'm, you know, I think the players. I mean, they're picking the players they want to talk, so those guys are all pretty happy with what's going on. But you see the coaches come in, and they're drenched in sweat. <laughs> I mean, everybody's working really, really hard. Sam, I'm curious. You mentioned how you know so much of this first fall camp is going to be about laying the groundwork for culture and everything like that. Is there, you know, and I'm going to ask you to compare here, and I know people don't love that, but is there an area where you think there was kind of the biggest deficit for them that they need to make up, whether it's in terms of culture or accountability or anything like that? Yeah, I think there's, you know, probably just the sense of wanting to win, um, wanting to get ahead of themselves, you know, just wanting to win the games instead of putting in all the work and, and training that it takes to, to win games in the fourth quarter. I think Nebraska is very satisfied, you know, uh, with with being close a lot and then losing the games and chalking that up to bad luck or needing a break or these things like that. And the media is more than happy to comply, um, you know. And so I think uh, I think Rule's trying to change that. I think what Rule understands and what Trev Alberts understands is Nebraska does not have an unlimited amount of time to get this thing together. Um, you know, he, he's talked about it a couple of different times about making Nebraska nationally relevant, and that becomes even more true now that you have Oregon and Washington in, in, in the system. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to become increasingly difficult to become old Nebraska or even medium Nebraska if you cannot get out of this, you know, out of this tailspin soon. And so I think the kind of work that they're putting in is the kind of work that's necessary to get, you know, to get the job done. And uh, not to say that the previous coaching staff didn't do that, but I think there's a sense of urgency surrounding the proceedings that, that make it evident um, that everybody knows that things got to turn around here pretty darn, pretty darn quick. Uh, maybe not hey. this year, but next year or the year after. Sam, I'm happy you brought up Miles Farmer because Ravi and I went back and forth a little bit this morning about guaranteed roster spots. If he were a guy that would have been guaranteed to be slotted in as a starter this year, as you look back to last season, not a lot of guys that would make that list, but would Miles Farmer have been one of them for you that would have been a guaranteed starter, no doubt, if 
everything went according to plan with him and the culture and the relationship with uh, with this staff in Nebraska for this season? No, I don't think so. I think um, I think he would have been a major contributor. Um, I think he would have played a lot of football. I don't know that he would have started. Um, I think Isaac Gifford obviously um, was going to win that composition and probably had already won it in some ways. Um, and then I think Corey Collier's there, and I think Deshaun Singleton and Omar Brown, and um, you know Malcolm Hartstock can play safety too uh, if you need him to. Um, you know Tommy Hill really turns the corner as a cornerback. He's he's got all the talent to be really talented, you know, at that position. And so, um, but you can move Hartstock wherever you need to move him. He can play all those positions. So I don't know. I mean, I think Farmer was going to be a factor for sure on the team. I don't know that he was going to have 73 tackles or whatever he had last year. Again, um, he might have been. But you know what? This is a great opportunity for him um, to, to, to maybe do something different um, than, he's, than he's done in the past. I mean, you look at, you know, we'll see if he's able to become immediately eligible somewhere. Um, I think he's graduated, so I, I think he can. I think he can do that. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is his fifth year on campus. And he's got two years of eligibility left, counting the COVID year. So this is a great opportunity for him uh, to go somewhere else. And I'm sure he'll have opportunities um, at good schools. And maybe he can go closer to home. Maybe he can go, you know, to the SEC. Uh, Maybe he can go to the Big Ten. Um, I don't know that he's the fastest guy in the world. So I don't know if the SEC is the right spot or not. Um, but sure, certainly there's there's homes in the ACC and the Big Ten for that guy. I mean, he, he can play major college football and, and it's smart and all the other things. So we'll we'll see where it uh, we'll see it where it leads him. But uh, I don't know that he would have started here. Sam, uh, kind of sticking with the starters question there, and I know we're very early in fall camp, but is there? I I kind of mentioned that. I think Jeff Sims is the only guy I'm 100% sure is going to start. Is there a longer list for you, or do you think it really is genuinely pretty wide open? I know there's probably spots on the line and guys you feel pretty good about, but I, I think if I if I really had to be put to it, uh, Jeff Sims is about the only guy that I would say is for sure starting against Minnesota, assuming health. Um, no, I think that I'm more confident than than you are at this point. Um, Billy Kemp, Marcus Washington, Nate Borkercher, Ben Scott, um, Bryce Benhart, uh, Turner Corcoran. I feel pretty good about all those guys starting. Uh, yeah, we'll see with the guard situation because they have a rotation there. I don't know exactly how they're going to play that out, but the fact that that Prohaska is hurt means Corcoran's going to play left tackle, and you're going to have Ethan Piper probably and Nuri Willie at the guard spot. Uh, with Henry Latovsky as a backup. Uh, so I think your line will be very close to set. Um, running back, I think, still up in the air. Uh, number three wide receiver still up in the air. But you know, so long as Marcus Washington's healthy, he's going he's gonna to start. And Billy Kemp, he's the best receiver on the team. So I feel very confident that, that he's going to play. Um, so that's on the offense. And then on the defense, yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a sense on 05 or 6. Um, I think that, uh, that that seemed pretty likely, but but defense is a little more set, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think they've had a pretty good idea of who some of the guys are, um, just based on necessity. I mean, it's August seventh today, 
Uh, mm-hmm. you, you need to you need to start locking in, and I, and my sense is they've probably locked in pretty well at a number of the offensive line spots. Sam, we heard on Saturday Coach Rule say a strength of the defense w- was the safeties. Um, I kind of lean – I that's a, a, an obvious choice for me too, but I kind of lean defensive line as well. I don't think a lot of people are as confident in their abilities as I am, as I shared some opinions last week. Uh, but could I put them up against the safeties here as the strength of the defense, or am I, am I just way out of the ballpark when I say that? You cut out. You cut out there for a second. Um, what, what, what's the position? Uh, defensive line. No, I don't think that they're among the strengths of the team at this point. No. Mm. Um, so I'm, I think, I'm, I'm, I think, I'm out on my island, and that's where I'll stand then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I don't. Um, I think I think that's going to be a group that that needs to come along. Obviously, Ty Robinson is is uh, uh, a seasoned veteran. Nash Hutmaker has, has reshaped his body. Um, one of the tricky conversations about what they're about to do with this defense is one of the reasons you run it is so that you don't have to be great on the defensive line. Um, as Matt Rule said on BCN, you know, you're never going to see the same front twice. You're never going to see the same team twice. Like it, it moves around a lot. And so what you call a defensive lineman can change from play to play. Mm. Um, and it's one of the reasons why you don't why you run is that you don't feel like you know there may come a day where you get uh, four dudes that that are just you know eh, that's a defensive end a defensive end a nose and a two technique and you go to that four three and you have a four man pass rush and and you get it done that way uh, they certainly had some teams in the past that, that did it just like that um, but they don't have that right now um, and so you know I think Robinson and Huntmaker Gunnarsson has a lot to prove he's only he only has eight career tackles i think uh Ruplan buckley's barely played um elijah judy barely played um who am i who am i missing here um you know if colton fees were back maybe you'd feel a little bit better about it but um yeah i mean they've they've got a they've got a ways to go at that position they'll, they'll but again one of the things that's going to happen with this defense is you're going to see things happen. You're going to be like, well, the defensive line is playing really well. And it's, it's the nature of the defense. It just it, it, It's going to be challenging to always know where your landmarks are, things like that. Now, what I will say in, in return, though, is there are going to be times when that defense is right and there's going to be times when that defense is wrong. Um, when you have this kind of scheme, you're, you're going to miss. Uh, and there's going to be some moments where a play creases and you better have good tacklers in the back end. I think that's really one of the keys of the scheme. If it's going to create some negative plays for you, turnovers, maybe even an interception or two, but it is also going to create some situations where if you if you stunt or you blitz into the wrong thing and they got the right play on, and you, that happens sometimes, mm-hmm. you better tackle because otherwise those, those plays are going to be out there. We're talking with Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Uh, Sam, I want to change gears for you a little bit here and get into conference realignment a little bit. Obviously, kind of over the weekend, we saw the apparent death of the Pac-12. And I guess just what was your overall thoughts as you're kind of watching this happen in real time where it seems like Oregon and Washington are going and then maybe they're staying and then all of a sudden they're gone and less than 24 hours later, 
Uh, you know, they lose Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the Big 12 as well. Just as somebody who's been watching college football for a long time, obviously the Pac-12 has got this huge, rich history. What's your thought process as this thing that we thought maybe might happen with the Pac-12 because of their TV deal just kind of collapses in front of our very eyes? TV deal wasn't any good. And, um, you know, what, what the Pac-12 commissioner was putting out there was, was uh, optimistic at best. I don't know why 1.7 million people would subscribe to watch Pac-12 football on Apple, Apple Plus or 2.3 million. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there could be existing users that, uh, you know, that, that, that turn it on, but um, yeah, like it's, it's, it's one of these deals where the Pac-12 just didn't have um, a ton of options left after, uh, after USC and UCLA left, and you know Oregon and Washington had a lifeline, they're going to take it. Uh, it's not, it's not that financially lucrative. Uh, you know they'll be basically a Big Twelve member in the in the Big Ten. They'll make less money, but uh, but they'll survive. And you know, yeah, it was going to be hard. It was going to be really hard for for the Pac-12 to to survive the way that it was the way that it was going, um, based on the kind of the number of people who are watching the, the games, the amount of institutional support in that in that league, um, you know, you have you have certainly some schools like Oregon that are that are all in. You have some schools like Washington State and Oregon State that you know are are in, but they don't have the same kind of financial resources and um, you know department power that Oregon does. And then you have Stanford and Cal and. They probably do have the resources, but they don't care. Like, and so it's 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 a challenging league from that perspective. Is that you have a lot of different kinds of approaches, and I know Stanford's athletic department does quite well in you know in the Directors Cup, but that's that's predicated on you know very small sports that only you know ten to twelve um, schools pursue, and not only a, not always that a scholarship way, you know smaller things that that are uh, related to the training facilities out there and, and things like that that have nothing to do with football or men's basketball or you know some of the other sports Stanford's very good in other things I mean they're they're very good in volleyball and women's basketball and baseball and softball and so they they do a lot of baseball out there um but you know the the main thrust of it is that a lot of those a lot of those sports are sort of self-supported so you know I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I'm supposed to have an emotion about this. And maybe if I wasn't in August and I had, you know, just hours and hours of work every day finishing our special section, and maybe I would have more of an emotion. Um, what I know is that I don't feel the same way. What I, what I know is that I, I feel like um, we, have to, we have to be honest about the nature of the nature of college athletics, and we also have to be honest about what what's going on in academia. And the reality is, fewer people are going to college, and universities need more people. Or they're going to four, there are fewer people are going to these major four-year colleges that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, college debt is a real thing, and we need to. They need to find ways to financially support what they're doing on the other side. There's a much larger conversation to have about academia and higher education 
that that isn't really going to be had. <laughs> not not at least by sports writers. Uh, sports writers are just going to lament that something is, has happened and and that that stinks. Um, so I think a lot of sports writers' thoughts could be you know adequately what do you call it, uh, summarized by Eli Drinkwitz over the weekend. It doesn't summarize mm-hmm. my, my feelings at all. Um, but I'm an outlier this way. Like, I don't I don't see Eli Drinkwitz's grandstanding about the issue. He's not going to change anything. It's nothing he's going to do is going to change. Um, he's just saying that, to, you know, to get get uh, Twitter points, which he did. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's not the realistic way forward. You can't, you can't just say, we're not going to regulate – NIL and transfer portal because Oregon and Washington went to the Big Ten and we needed, you know, perfect moral uh, alignment on all these things. That's not, how, that's not how things work. And so, you know, I think hopefully there's a way forward where you can make, on the on the flip side, I think Muppet McGraw had an interesting thought on Twitter. Of how to, Maybe can you separate college football from everything else and, and let the rest of it be conference model? Um, and that may be something that, 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 that they're able to explore. Um, college football drives a lot of this conversation. A lot of these other sports don't make money. Um, they may prefer being in a conference model. Of course, you know, Muffin McGraw coached at Notre Dame, and they won't be in a conference. But I understand what she's saying, and I think she probably has a better point, um, that if we're going to start talking about the, the welfare of Olympic sports or smaller sports, let's talk to the, let's talk to the Olympic sports coach more than, we, more than we worry about what Urban Meyer and Eli Drinkwood say about it. Um, Let's see what they want to do and, and have some conversations about where they want to go. Um, people are wondering why athletes haven't said anything. Well, you know, I, I don't know that the athletes care that much. I, they're, you know, we're going to say they care, and I'm sure we can put the words in their mouth. But, but you know, you're telling them, hey, uh, instead of flying for, for three hours, you're going to fly for five, and you're going to go see places you haven't been to before and play a bunch of new teams. Now, how much do you hate that? You know, and I don't know what kind of response you're going to get back. Um, most of these athletes are extremely well supported academically. They have incredible academic support institutions at their schools. Many of them graduate either a year to a year and a half early. Um, mm-hmm. They certainly do it in Nebraska. I I think that our our over our our concern about their academic performance is undue. EPAs are going up, 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 and up, all over the place, and so. I think there's a lot, of, but so there's a lot of consternation around this. But a lot of that stuff, if you really follow college athletics closely, you know that a lot of that is just sort of sentimentalism. Um, we may be moving toward a power two. If we do that, it probably benefits a lot of schools. And if you can sever college football from the other sports, maybe you got a way forward. Now, Sam, I did see some some athletes take to Twitter uh, regarding it, those that played in some smaller sports out in the Pac-12. I, I hadn't seen a whole lot, though, but I did see a few a few reports there. And, um, you know, I, I do take into account certain sports, certain sports that are smaller at schools that it may have a bigger toll on. But ultimately, I think the only, because I'm an outcome guy, I'm like, well, where are we trying to go with this? And ultimately, I think the only place to go is if if everything stays the same and you stay in the conference and you don't split it up like you were kind of talking about with, oh, you take the old model opposed to the new model. If you don't do that, the only thing that makes sense to me is having literal divisions that mirror what they do in the pros and then you keep people regionally, but they stay yeah. in the bigger conference. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably a way forward. Sure, you know, I I don't know exactly. The key is if you go to a power two, you have to have a relationship with the TV networks that reflects everyone getting an equal share. Because the way it stands right now, you know, Michigan would get way more or whatever. You have to find a way to get everybody to be all in on that. And the advantage of having a giant league is you're not playing, you know, a gulag of teams. Like you're, you've got your soft teams back in there again. It's, oh, you can go play here and here. And, you know, the teams that always used to win 10 can still win 10. And that's your reward and that kind of thing. I Certainly there's a way to, there's probably a way to do it. Um, again, if we go to a power two, then I think everybody's going to be happy again. So let's just be patient and see how it plays out. Sam McEwen, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. That is Sam McEwen, sports editor at the Omaha World Herald at SW McEwen, O-W-H on Twitter. Uh, We'll take a break. When we come back, we're talking Pinnacle Bank Championship with Katie Cowell, volunteer coordinator here. Uh, We will talk to her next. Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. 